Hey, it's Pastor Cody, and I'm so excited to share this conversation with you from our last Young Adults Third Wednesday service. Hey, we'd love to help you get more connected to FCYA here in Orange County. For more information on how to do so, just follow us on Instagram or text FCOCYA to 313131. We hope that you enjoyed this episode, but be sure to join us next month for our next FCYA Third Wednesday gathering. We'll see you soon. Amazing. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to Third Wednesday. Come on, let's just look around at this crowd. This is incredible what God is beginning to do in and through our space. Um, If we don't know each other, my name's Cody, and uh, I have the privilege with my wife of leading our community of young adults here at Free Chapel, and uh, really it's so exciting to be able to gather. How many like being inside? We're away from the cold. Praise the Lord. That's right. Um, (laughs) Come home. So um, tonight, really, the the whole idea around Third Wednesday is to create a space, I think, for us as young adults to um, come around some conversations, to begin to look at what it means and what what it really looks like for a young adult to follow Jesus in 2021. How many know that can be a challenge sometimes? And so we're taking a look at some some different conversations, and tonight we're going to be centering around this idea of community. And uh, really, I think it comes from Um, this idea of why community is important, why community is significant, and unpacking really what community means. Um, It's oftentimes a word that is overused. We talk about community like it's everything. We've got our work community. We've got our small group community. We've got our gym community. We've got uh, all these different, you know, you might subscribe to a list of uh, different group communities, whether that be on Facebook or Instagram. And we talk about community like it's just this throwaway word, but a community, how many know, is more than a club. Uh, community isn't just a gathering of people. We don't mean, we don't, it's not a community just because we're all here together. There's something actually, a power in community and actually a biblical mandate to community. And so as we've kind of come around this idea in the last couple of weeks, I've just been doing my own bit of um, research and some prayer and some studying, um, I thought it was significant um, to have this conversation on this month. And the reason is because um, in the midst of all that we've gone through the last, really the last year as a community, but as a nation, um, the, the, I think that this, this conversation on a night like tonight, when we're celebrating and honoring all that Black History Month represents, you have the opportunity to begin to look at different um, leaders and some, some, some significant people. So we just saw a video about really the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King, who, of course, let me just say, is not the only Black person that we're celebrating this month. And so oftentimes that can be maybe the easy one to celebrate because that's someone everyone can get behind. Black History Month represents um, a legacy that's so much greater than maybe even the famous figures that we know. But um, I've been doing my own bit of study about Dr. King And uh, what is so significant is he led a movement really around this idea of what's called the beloved community. It's a phrase that he made very popular. And uh, the beloved community comes from this idea, really it's a picture of the throne room of heaven. The most diverse place on the universe, in the universe, is at the throne room of God. We're at the altar there before our Lord and Savior. There is a group of people gathered together, every tribe, every tongue, every nation represented. It's a community gathering together and standing um, for diversity without division, standing for unity without uniformity. And so there's this picture that we get in the book of Revelation of this is the kind of community that we're gonna have in heaven. 
Dr. King led a movement really to try and bring that community here on earth. And so the idea was many times we think of Dr. King as just being against segregation. Of course, that is an evil that we stand against. Racism is an evil and it is a sin. However, Dr. King wasn't just against segregation. Really, the movement that he led was that segregation doesn't belong in the beloved community. You see how this is a, even a deeper truth for what community represents. And I thought, man, what a challenge for us as a church. What a challenge for us as a young adult community in 2021 to begin to unpack this conversation at, at, at really this overlap. And so I've invited two of uh, a, a really good friend and then a brand new friend. This is Desi. She's a part of our creative team here at Free Chapel. Amazing. You got some fans, Desi. Let's go. Quentin and Moses. <laughs> so Desi is a part of our creative team. She's a gifted communicator, a great part of our staff, of course, well-loved, as you can tell. And I've also invited a new friend of mine, Wes Tamifuna, who is a pastor. Also, you've got some fans, man. There was like, we threw it out in our group chat about what was happening tonight. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, we love Wes. Um, so Wes is a pastor. I don't know if you want to share maybe a little bit more about this in our first question, but Wes is a pastor of uh, Emmaus Church in Santa Ana. Recently in January 2020, he took the, the position of lead pastor or senior pastor over that community and uh, had been in young adults for a while, but felt, you know, the transition there and where God was leading him. So he now leads a church, which I think is really cool. And his church has um, really taken... Uh, kind of a, a front row stance at uh, this conversation around reconciliation. And so um, I had coffee with him a few weeks ago and just really left feeling so encouraged. And um, there was just kind of a grace upon our conversation. So I actually, I literally texted him. I said, do you think we could just do what we did there in front of everybody? <laughs> and so that's really what tonight is about. So maybe just to kick us off, if you guys uh, maybe want to share, um, but what, what, how would you define community? Um, what, what does community mean to you? And uh, how have you seen really the power um, of community in your life? I threw it at you. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, Pastor Wes, everyone. I think, uh, to Pastor Cody's point, community is something that we've talked about, that you talk about in church. Every church in America is going to talk about community, the importance of being together, the importance of small groups, the importance of having someone to be there to support you. So I think everybody in the room, even if you're not, Christian, you'd agree that you need support. You need people to be there with you when life is difficult. You need people to be there to celebrate, to have a good time. You need people. I think universally that's understood. I think where we've seen a challenge isn't that we've um, valued the wrong thing, but we didn't actually have the capacity to be a community that was unified when things got tough, when there was pressure that was applied, if that makes sense. Because we all would have said, yes, we're about community. We need to do it. We need groups. But under pressure and adversity, we valued the right thing. But did we have the capacity to uphold that value? I think is the question that we, that you as the next generation of young adults, if the church is going to be relevant in conversations regarding race and culture and society, there has to be a willingness not only to value the right things, but to actually do the work of becoming people that can sustain a community that's willing to dive into these conversations. Because to, to be frank about it, valuing the right thing 
is such a low bar for Jesus followers. Declaring that you're a church against racism is such a low bar. <laughs> like we can't really be breaking our arms, patting ourselves on the back, but hey, we're not against, or we're not for racism. It's like, good job. And we just can't let our Jesus following get just to the point of, I posted a black square. Like our calling as Christians is to actually do the work of being people that are capable of empathizing and listening and being compassionate and being uncomfortable and passing the mic to somebody else and acknowledging when I don't know what it's like to be in your shoes. You know, I'm here tonight to talk to you, but I am one person with one experience, with one family from multiple cultures trying to figure it out. And so how can you learn to do that? I remember that was my first lessons in marriage when I got married was the things that my wife would talk to me, the things she, she worried about. As a woman, I never had to worry about. She was worried about walking to and from the car. And it's like, Why? Why would you worry about that? Why would you worry about where you're parked? Like we can, let's park at the back of the lot. We'll walk there. But I have to be in a position as a Jesus follower to pass her the mic and say, you tell me about what that's like, because I have no clue. And so let me learn from you. Because our relationship with Jesus should transform the power dynamic in our communities and in our relationships. And those things have to be present in our relationships. We're pro-community, but we've got to be a distinct community in the way that we value power in those relationships. Are we people that are ready to defer? Are we people that are ready to consider others as more important than ourselves? Are we people who are willing to be like Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, cast away his privilege and did not count equality with God as something to be taken hold of, but he gave it away? I'm apologizing for preaching. Apparently, I feel passionately about Pastor this. Pastor West, so, come on, bro. I think community is the right value. I think community is the right thing. I think we have to be committed to being people that make the community possible, that's beautiful, that Cody's describing. Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point about there's something deeper to the kind of community that we're supposed to be. Showing up just doesn't just mean that you're in community. How many know you can be present for something, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're positioned for it? And so when we're talking about community, I think part of tonight, I just want to unpack really what, what is the community that we're supposed to be? Where is the power? Desi, can you share maybe what, what you think of um, when, it, when it comes to community? What is true community? How have you seen that power in your life? Yeah, I, well, first of all, that was amazing. <laughs> he stirred up. Grace for this. Um, well, for me, I think, and it's to your point, like just, that was a beautiful transition because I was just going to say that you only experience community to the level that you're willing to engage in it. Um, I, I think oftentimes like you can come in a room like this and you see all the different faces, all the different colors, all the different backgrounds, the different lifestyles, the different, you know, whatever, all of our differences and things that, you know, set us apart and we're all here for Jesus, but um, we can all leave here and still feel very alone, still feel very unseen, still feel very um, not heard. You know, all of that, all of the things that we're not supposed to feel as believers, but it's very well, you know, we can feel that after we leave, even an amazing atmosphere like this. Um, and I think for me, a lot of the times, um, for, I can be very outgoing, just on a personal level, but um, I think 
to describe myself, I would be like an extroverted introvert because I value like being by myself um, <laughs> because I'm so open. Y'all, I got some witnesses out there. I got some, that's me, sis. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think a lot of the times when I experience good community, when I go to just a really good hangout or I go to a good small group or there's an event, it's because I'm willing to engage, like you were saying. You know, it's not just about being there. It's not just about being um, present, but it's about engaging in where you are in the moment. And so um, with that in relation to just the context of, I guess, Black History Month, which I try not to, like, really highlight. I love being Black. I'm not take that any wrong. <laughs> Melon and poppin. Um, <laughs> but I think, for me, God really challenged me last year just with everything going on to, um, one, to go to him in the midst of everything, but to remember that I'm a child of God first and that God, you know, when he made me new, he made me a child of God, a new creature. And then my blackness is just my vehicle in the world. Um, So I must stand up for what, you know, what he says, who he says I am. He doesn't say that I'm um, afflicted. He doesn't say that I'm broken. He doesn't say that I'm bound. So I shouldn't feel like I should live my life that way. Um, Um, Okay, thank you. (laughs) Um, But when it comes to community and engaging, a lot of the times when I'm in really, really good moments of community, it's because I want to be there. I'm not just going to seek to receive, but I'm going to see how can I be a part? How can I, how can I share my perspective? How can I share, you know, I don't know, a fun joke or, you know, just being very, very present and not just expecting for people to serve me. I think a lot of times when people think of community, um, they go seeking something. They go expecting for their broken pieces to be mended, especially with believers. We take our broken pieces to the people around us, and Jesus is like, you should take of me first. And then if I place people in your life to help walk you and navigate, you know, that journey, you know, to coming back to me, that's what it's about. I think it's about perspective. I think to try to, you know, reach this whole goal of community without God, it's impossible. It's impossible to put our faith in people before him and expect for them to fulfill his promises for us. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I think that brings up such a great truth, really, is that community is God's idea. From the very beginning of scripture, God says it's not good for man to be alone. And so we can think about this in in a marriage relationship, but let me challenge our thinking to maybe broaden our perspective tonight because many times we talk on Sunday like there is a God-sized hole in all of us that only God can fill. And so we we have a moment like maybe we're going to have here at the end of tonight where we're going to make an invite for people to follow Jesus because we believe that Jesus is the answer. But let me just help broaden this for a moment, because in Genesis chapter two, we see a picture of God creating us with a human-sized hole that even God won't fill. God could have stepped in and said, it's not good for you to be alone, so I'm here. This is really, I think, the the challenge for all of us, because it's easy for us to go, you know, it's just me and God against the world. You know, it's it's just me and him. I'm going to ride, and I'm going to take care of me and do me, but God says, "Uh, uh, uh-uh, (laughs) uh-uh. That doesn't work. Or like, you know, sounds good, doesn't work. This is, I think, the challenge because God creates us needing community. And he creates us with a void inside all of us that says, and I think the reason, the reason it's so, I guess, interconnected there in that Genesis narrative is because God creates us in his image. 
And God and who he is is what's called the Trinitarian community. That he exists in perfect community all by himself. And so as reflecting God's image, we're meant to be in community like that, but in the kind of community that reflects God's image. And I just want to say tonight, I think there's something powerful about being a part of community where we, re- we reflect God's identity, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're identical. And I think that's where I think our communities can kind of get into trouble because we form communities around like things that are identical, whether it's identical interests or identical schedules or even something even much broader, like identical backgrounds and histories. And, um, and this is where I think for all of us, we, we actually reflect God's image when we live in this kind of community. And so maybe to take that into the form of a question, how, where do you think the disconnect is? Because I think for all of us here tonight, we value community and we understand that, you know, we value it on a theoretical level. Everyone would agree community is good, community is important. But where, where do you think the disconnect is in, in sort of making that jump between not just saying, yeah, community is good, but really to, like Desi had spoken about, to really engage with it and to really begin to have these moments where um, community becomes not just something I do, but really who I am? I think, in my experience, the disconnect in community, um, some of it arises around expectations within community. So because it's important, because we talk about it at church, there's an expectation of how it's going to go. I'm going to sign up. I'm going to join a small group. We're going to connect. We're going to share stories. It's going to be this beautiful moment, and I'm going to be restored, healed, and all the good things God's promised me. When in reality, it gets messy. It gets much more messy. Um, some ways, because we create them. I think if you're going to be in a meaningful, healthy relationship in church, outside of church, um, in a relationship with one other person, mother, friend, or family member, or community, I think what's vital in that is this idea of consent. Like, is the community that you're part of, is that a place where you experience consent and permission? Because those things take time. Because sometimes there's this idea like, I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to share every part of my story and all of who I am. And you're going to do that too. And it's going to be beautiful. And we're going to jump to this deep place and we're going to be deep, close friends. But any meaningful relationship in your life, any significant relationship in your life right now took time and trust. The most vulnerable parts of our stories should be shared with consent and not extracted. Church shouldn't be a place that extracts your story from you. It should be a place where you're experiencing love, acceptance, grace, and compassion. And in so experiencing those things, when you're ready, you can say yes. And it's so much more fulfilling when you say yes to it rather than it was taken from you. There's something that's so much more beautiful about we took time to build this thing. They didn't rush me. They let me enter into the conversation when I wanted to, when I was ready for it. And that's beautiful. And that's typically around things that are painful. Um, To not tiptoe around it last year was painful within the church in terms of race and racial reconciliation. 
And I'll just tell you that people need, you need to ask permission or there needs to be consent. But the idea that you're going to be an ally because you're going to find the closest brown person near you and be like, hey, how can I be an ally? It's like, hold on, hold on. Like, we're not in that place, especially not in a place where I already feel isolated. So now in my isolation, you would like me to perform my experience of that isolation in front of you. See, if consent's a part of that relationship and if permission's a part of that relationship, then we can actually heal. Then it's no longer theory. Then we're actually going to start to live it out. But that takes time, so. (laughs) Beautiful. That was amazing. Great language. Um, I think maybe sometimes the disconnect can just be that honesty. That's kind of what you were saying. But on the other side, just that, Will, so for some people who are a little bit more sheltered or um, maybe they've experienced, you know, we like to call it church hurt um, or just moments with other believers that they feel a little bit tainted, you know, that relationship or not being willing to want to open up to another community. Um, and I think it does go back. I promise I'm not like super churchy, but I live off the scripture. So I always have a reference. Um, but I, I feel like it does come back to you know, that personal relationship with God, we can only as believers, and I'm assuming that we all are, and if we're not, we'll have a moment to offer that later. But, um, you know, as believers, our number one goal should be to be like Jesus, but we can only pour out as much as we're allowing him to pour into us. And so when we go in, we step into these communities and we expect for Jesus to be there and all we're offering, like I was saying earlier, just our brokenness and the little bit of Jesus that we have and we're just holding on to it and we're not willing to be open and we're not willing to, you know, cause Jesus is open. Jesus is peace. Jesus wouldn't want you to be full of anxiety. He wouldn't want you to be full of worries. He wouldn't want you to be full of timidity. You know, he's giving us the power of love and of a sound mind for us to go into places and spaces and think freely. That's where it's our heritage. That's our inheritance as believers. And so when we don't live that way, we do limit the potential of how community can, you know, how it's made to be to literally do life together when we're not being 100% ourselves, when we're showing up. And, you know, for the ladies, you know, we get cute, we show up, we get the coffee and, you know, we talk about, we have that little small, you know, let's be real. You know, you go to small groups. Sorry, my black came out a little bit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know how you go to like some small groups and it's just like that small talk where you're like, yeah, me too. No way. You know, you know, we know the lines and you kind of leave and you're just like, okay, that was cool. That was cute. But that wall had never been, you know, we, we just have walls in our heart. I don't really know if they accept me. And we'll always have, you know, those hesitations. But I think the more that we fuel ourselves personally, spiritually, we can walk into those rooms and we can just allow ourselves to be, you know, like God and to literally worship him together. And worship isn't like on the stage with music and keys and, you know, your favorite Hillsong song or Maverick City for 2020, 2021. (laughs) Um, You know, worship can just be a really good conversation over coffee and it's glorifying God. It's honoring, you know, each other, you know. Um, I think a really cool picture of that is I always love the way that um, the ark Sorry, I'm getting deep. But the Ark of the Covenant in the temple was kind of set up. The angels, they are 
you know, housing like the mercy seat, the mercy of God, you know, God's heart, his presence is there. But those two angels, they're facing each other. And in the middle of that is where the presence of God sat. Isn't that so beautiful? And I think that's a beautiful picture of how our relationships with each other should be. We should be crying holy, holy to each other. God's been so good to me this week. God has did this this week. And it's rough and life ain't how I want it to be, but I'm still holding on. You still holding on? Let's go have coffee. Let's go hold on together. Let's go do this. Let's go to the beach. You know, those moments we come together and we literally edify him and we edify each other by lifting him up and his presence is there. That's real worship. That's how we're supposed to live. But we can't do that if we're blocked by our own insecurities, by our own fears, by our, you know, I'm scared because I'm black and I don't think in a room full of white people that they'll get to me. That's my story for 90% of my life. And had I allowed that to be, you know, that fear to keep me so stifled, I wouldn't be right here sandwiched between a brown guy and a white guy. (laughs) I think one of the things that, um, well, first of all, thank you both for that. Just such a beautiful picture. I think of, of even unpacking this idea. One of the things I read that just was so confronting to me is Dr. King wrote, um, that community is the end goal for human existence. It's kind of like the point. I found myself challenged because it's easy to think that community or church is sort of the means to the end. But really, I think when we're talking about what is the purpose of my life, Dr. King would argue it's to exist in community. So my question is, what would you say to someone here who may feel like, I want to be 100% with somebody, or I want to have the space where I can be 100% me, but it's lonely, and I feel isolated in that, and I kind of want the community that you're talking about, but I don't know where to go. What would you say to someone like that? Yeah, I think to Desi's point, because it's going to be messy, because there's going to be tension, because it won't be this perfect honeymoon of relationship and community, I think your foundation, the only foundation that has the capacity to sustain that kind of relationship really is Jesus. I'll I'll tell you why. Because you're going to experience pain with people. And normally those commitments are held together by something. A job, school, family, their blood, we're related, we can't get rid of them. You're married. Whatever it is, there's some sort of structure that keeps that relationship happening. If you're going to be in community here, you always have the ability to opt out. You always have the ability to say, I'm out, I'm good. And if you're going to experience pain or hurt and need to be healed from that, I know at least for me, the only thing that's been able to keep me committed to people is God's commitment to people. Because when I'm following Jesus, his commitments are my commitment. So I don't get to be committed to Jesus and not committed to what he's committed to. And it just happens to be people. So it's like, I've got to get myself to a place where I can honor God by loving what he loves. And that's going to be people at the end of the day. So that has to be like the anchor because we can have relational tools. We can do all that. I love that. But at the end of the day, you're going to have, you're going to have to have something that's going to continue to get you to say yes, to step back in. So. Yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah, that. <clears throat> Um, I think for me, maybe I would just say take the risk. Um, We take risks with everything else in our lives. We get in our cars and we drive, you know, risking that we may get in an accident. Or we sit in the chair risking that it may fall. 
hopefully it doesn't, but <laughs> you know, like we, we take these risks every day without thinking. And I think when we put that same energy into what God has created for us, to, we literally are created, like I was saying to the point earlier, to worship. So why would we not engage in something that we were created for? Um, and it makes sense that our lives kind of fall apart when we're in isolation the unrighteous way where we're trying to do things on our own and not the way that God kind of literally the mechanics of community is to make us, you know, to give life, his words are life. And so when we speak words to each other of life, we have life. I know that's a, <laughs> it's like life was life equals life. It's not a great equation, but <laughs> um, that's literally, that's just it. It's that simple. So when you take that risk, you, we take risks with money. We take risks with all the stuff that we do in our lives. Um, we do, I think it's just, like you said, it makes it easier when we have that perspective that we're we're doing this because God would love us, love for us to do this. And it's within his love for us. And when we're out of it, we might be outside of his love for us. Yeah, amazing. I was even um, a couple weeks ago, I had shared this with our church, but I was kind of joking around that this would almost be like part two um, to that. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that because we've been reconciled, to God, we have been entrusted with the message, or another translation says, the ministry of reconciliation. That the cross represents to us not just a stake in the ground that our relationship with God can be or has been healed, but it's the power and the precedent for every other relationship in our life to be healed. And so, just now taking this a step further, part of what we're talking about when it comes to community are things like reconciliation and are things like justice. And so is there maybe just a little bit of a family moment? Is there something that you feel like in that conversation that the Christian community is lacking today? Maybe to give you a little more. So the room is tense. <laughs> I think, you know, for, for even just as I've been reading, like um, Dr. King even saying about this, his vision of the beloved community and establishing that here on earth. I think all of us would, would you know, that's how you know it's, it's a God word because we don't have to convince you of its importance. You just go, oh yeah, that's right, you know? And so we all want this, but how do we, how do, we do it? What are the mechanics? What are we needing more of? Uh, so I'm gonna answer this question, but I just wanna preface it by saying these are my views and Cody has not co-signed this, so... <laughs> If you need to have like a meeting afterwards and be like, hey, what he said, Mercy. that's not where we're at. Just Need some water. But I think as we lean into conversations about reconciliation or justice, this is where things tend to fall apart because we disagree on what justice is and what it looks like. And so if you're going to have those conversations, you actually have to be prepared for that work. And that's why it can't be wrapped up like a sitcom special where they address this issue. We talked about it. The main character learned their lesson. Racism is bad. We need to be reconciled. We all love Jesus. Okay, we're ready to go. Because it takes work. And when we talk about reconciliation, we benefit and we get to be reconciled to God because there was justice. You don't get the reconciliation without Jesus making that payment. And so you can't hop right to reconciliation without facing the price of reconciliation. Because reconciliation is beautiful, but there's always a cost to what it looks like to be reconciled. 
And I don't think that the cost is having the right answers or saying the right things or knowing all of the right things. You're not going to have it all figured out. You couldn't possibly have it all figured out. But in your experience with Jesus and his dealing with you, we have a different understanding of power. In that same letter that Cody's referencing, Paul says, I boast about my weakness. And in that weakness, then I'm made strong. Are you willing to be weak in relationship when it comes to conversations about justice and reconciliation? Are you willing to be the person who doesn't know? (laughs) Because it's scary not to know in church. You're supposed to know. We try to make sure that you know everything. Typically, the answer is Jesus, but, you know, you're supposed to know whatever it is. And then we talk about this. It's like, man, I really don't know, and I feel like I should know, and if I don't know, does that make me bad or wrong? No one's asking you to know anything. Man, I'm asking you to listen to me the way that Jesus would listen to me, and that's all. Like, and that's it. And we can disagree about justice and what that looks like, but I'm not asking you to figure it out for me here. I'm asking you to be a brother or sister who can listen to me the way Christ would. So, yeah, again, yeah, wow. Uh, <laughs> maybe I should go first next time. Yeah, like, there we I'm go. Get it out. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's awesome. Um, I think just consistency, mm. and I think that's something just in community in general. You know, that can always be. It's that one ingredient that literally makes the house fall if it's just not there, you know? Just, sorry, I probably should hold this up. Um, just being consistent. Um, I think just last year, and last year was just a height of a lot. So I think referencing last year is just kind of doing an injustice to the whole grand scheme of thing. But um, last year was a big year. It was a beautiful year. It was a messy year. It was an interesting year, to say the least. Um, but I think in just with everything, with reconciliation, as far as that topic is concerned, um, I appreciated um, not just as a black person, but just a human being. I appreciated the conversation and how, even though it was exhausting, even for me, I think I even maybe told Lindsay, she's, I don't know where she's at, but I was just like, it's, it's just a lot. I know she took some time off. It was just, it's a lot, even just for me, you know? Um, but I appreciated the consistent conversation, even though it was a lot. Um, I think moving forward, obviously, we don't talk about it every single day, every hour of the day, pictures all the time. Um, One, I don't think we were created to have that much access to that much information like that. Um, But um, just that consistent conversation and it created moments where people were like, you know what, this is, I want to know this about you. And I, we had a conversation with our youth team um, in the middle of it and, um, it was so beautiful because the conversation was not, you know, centered around one group's hurt, but it was everybody's input, everyone's perspective. There were some people that were saying, I just didn't know. Or there were some people that said, well, I thought this way, but now I think differently. Um, There were some people that left and still thought how they thought, you know? And I think when we come to the table, just wanting to talk, getting it out there and allowing God to do the work. See, I think with reconciliation, and you said it so perfectly, he's already paid the price. And a lot of the times believers, just people in general, we can try to pay the price again. You know, we try to like do the work again. Like in order to reconcile with you, I got to do all of this work. And there is work to be done. But if we just be like Jesus, it, it, it works itself out. You know, if I just love you, if I just listen to you, if I just include you, if I just, sometimes you may have to engage more. Sometimes you have to just say, you know what, 
I see that you may not be engaging like everyone else. So come out with us this weekend. Do come to this place. Come with me. Sometimes it takes a little bit more proactiveness. Um, but it it works when we're just we're just like Jesus. You know, it's not something that we have to, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Jesus has already done that for us. And um, so I appreciated the consistency as far as, you know, what that um, conversation allowed us to see um, and the moments that we were able to share just kind of together as a whole world. Um, But even now, you know, you can just see how those conversations have kind of dwindled, you know, and how maybe it's not as important to some people anymore. And it's, it comes down to just that, you know, do I really care about this? And I think when it comes for that question to be truly answered, it's do I really care about me? Because if we are to be like God and to be like community, Martin Luther King said, or was it Martin Luther King actually? Yeah. An injustice, <laughs> yeah. An injustice in one place is an injustice everywhere uh, or anywhere is an injustice everywhere. But not just in, you know, the form of injustice, but if my brother or sister is hurting, I'm hurting. You know, if my friend is feeling great, I should be rejoicing with them. It works both ways. So I think when we do community and we see it, you know, as we're one, then we should feel as one, you know. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So good. I think, um, you know, just just after I think what, what both of you had said is, um, you know, I remember, Wes, we had coffee a number, whatever that was, a week ago, maybe. And um, you had said that no one's expecting you to have it all right. Something along those lines. And I remember they're just feeling like a weight almost off my shoulders. Um, not only because this is a conversation that may feel a little bit overwhelming to have, but number two, I think like in 2020 and 2021, everyone expects you to have an opinion about it. And so when we talk about like, hey, I don't know the answer, that almost is a little bit countercultural to begin to say like people have kind of been pushed into their camps further and further that they like subscribe to this without even actually listening or understanding. And so that's where what I'm hearing is like what maybe the Christian community lacks is maybe a posture to return back to self-giving love, to model Jesus in that. Like, I think you had referenced Philippians chapter two, where it says, you know, Paul's begging with the, the, the church there to have unity, in particular unity among their thinking, among their minds. And the way to do so, he says, is to model Christ's example that he didn't consider this status to be grasped, but instead to give himself in self-giving love, even humbling himself to the point of, you know, a terrible death on the cross and that God exalted him. And, and I think the reason even this is so powerful is because when we're talking about this, we can even treat love like it's a status to be grasped. Like it's a character quality that like, oh man, like you see how loving I am or you see how humble I am. Or yeah, we, we think that there's all these statuses like, like, you know, I've had this conversation, so I check the box. Or one thing, even like, as we talk, Desi, to be careful of is to understand like this month isn't just like the once a month happy birthday celebration for black people. It's just something that we value all the time. God values people and his the, heaven is literally the most diverse place in the universe. And so every time we gather at church, man, what a reflection of that. What a chance for us to, to, to be joined together in love, to say we are diverse, but we aren't divided. And we're standing for this uni- unity in diversity because there's something deeper that joins us together. And that is the love of Christ. And we, we, we worship the name of Jesus. And that, that is something that begins to unify us. 
Um, I want to ask just maybe as we transition here to a close, and when we're talking about, um, you know, I think we all get a sense maybe tonight that community is so much bigger than your small group, um, or at least maybe the way that we've been treating our groups. And of course, we, 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 want, to, we want to make mention of that because how significant we, re- we really believe this is. But, but more than just getting involved, it's about, um, you know, kind of what happens there in your group. And so let me ask you this, this question here. Um, when it comes to, I think, um, well, what is it that gives our lives meaning in community? What is it about community that gives our lives meaning? What do you think the big deal is um, about uh, just this, this idea of, of gathering together, of celebrating diversity? Um, wh- where is the significance that you, that you might see um, in, in maybe our own mission or what it does, the, the formation of our lives. Can you speak to that a little bit? Uh, I mean, you could write a book on how community builds meaning. I think for me, um, we're only, I mean, if we're going to continue in the idea of humility, like the people that you came with tonight are a gift to you. They really are. Like, whatever questions you might have about life, God, spirituality, whatever that is, like, the people that you've been given, they're a gift that's worth being celebrated, like, tonight. Not, like, you don't got to wait. And you don't have to have everything figured out. You can go, man, I was so tempted to go to 85 degrees or whatever before this thing. Like, and, and share some food. But I'm just telling you they give meaning because you're not going to know everybody in the world. You're not going to see every place in the world, but you are going to be here in this moment with that person that you came with. And so prize that. Because again, I'm not going to be all things in all places everywhere. All I can do is be here now with the people that God has allowed me to live right next to. And given that opportunity, celebrate it. Love your people. Give them their flowers here and now. And another dudes are like, how do I do that? Like, Hey, bro, you know, I love you. Like, what, what yeah. does that even look like? How do, what do you want me to say? How do you want me to, to live that out? Guys, it's not that hard to, like, give a compliment. You'll survive. He'll survive. Everybody will be okay. It's not that hard. Like, it's not that difficult. Thanks. Thanks for coming, coming to church with me tonight. Cool. I enjoyed. Like, it's not that difficult. I think community creates meaning because it's a gratitude for the moment in the here and the now. It's saying thank you to God for the gift of these people here. I'm going to treat them as such. I'm going to value them as such. And you're really fulfilling the commandment that God's given us to love one another. When you just say, thank you for person on my left, person on my right. Thank you, God, for them. I'm going to treat them like they matter. And here we are. So true. So good. Come on, right? (laughs) No, a hundred percent. I honestly don't have much to add to that. That's it. It means a lot because it means a lot to God. And I, you know, I try to live my life and it can be hard work. It can be, but at the same time, you know, to kind of break the tension, it can be so fun. Like I love going out to eat. Like it's not the best thing on my budget and all, but (laughs) I love hanging out. Honestly, a lot of, most of Jesus' miracles were over some food. Like, come on now, let's be honest. I always joke around and say I'm anointed to eat. You know how we all have our own graces. Spiritual gift. It's a spiritual gift. (laughs) 
everyone's oh man and that spirit of gluttony it you got to be anointed to push that away and still eat I'm just telling you it's being honest um but it can be so fun like you can really have a good time with God and with God's people I don't think we we do that enough, you know, as young adults and just as church people in general. We try to make it like, I'm going to small group to get my life together. I got to pull out, you know, all of my drama and let everyone help me fix it. Like, sure, yeah. Um, but I think most of the time it's just being with God and being with God's people and doing life his way. And I think the more that we get this right, this is, and I think this is really my answer. The more that we get this right and we do this well as believers, the world will see it. And that's how we'll change the world. And we won't just get stuck trying to get community together amongst ourselves. But when we walk out and we're having small groups at these tables in the coffee houses and all these places outside and people walk by and they say, well, what are you guys doing? Or the waitress who is just having a crazy, crazy day. And she's like, you guys okay? You guys still here? Three hours later, still talking? Yeah, we're just talking about God. You know, I go to this church with this big tent, crazy lights out in the front, the whole cross, you know, you should come by. You know, it's the more that we get stuff right amongst ourselves the better that we get it right with God's people outside and that's what it means to me that means I get to partner with him and really 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 bringing heaven to earth beautiful incredible yeah come on I love that because it's easy for us to lose sight of of even something as simple looking at your neighbor in the eyes and saying thank you Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for showing up. Or to going out to eat. I mean, come on. The very first miracle Jesus had, bringing water to wine. There's something about the risen Jesus. The risen Jesus. This is an understated one. The risen Jesus cooks breakfast for his disciples on the beach. I love a beach breakfast. Come on. A beach breakfast. The picture of Revelation. We got food after this. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> next month, next month, next month. <laughs> March 17th. Okay. <laughs> See you there. Um, but even this, this, how beautiful is it that God invites us to his table? And the, 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 very, the, the miracle that Jesus takes, that he takes place at the wedding at Cana, it's really a type or a shadow for what is the wedding celebration in heaven when the church is reunited with Christ, invited to God's table. We're invited to fellowship. To, we, we celebrate it in communion. It's what we're talking about is a common union that we're bringing together this idea that we're invited to the table, to God's family dinner. And so if this is what we're, we have access to, then how much more, like we talk about so many times, can that go through us? Can we have the precedent to bring others in to our dinner tables. I mean, it's simple, but like, when was the last time, this is my last Martin Luther King quote for the night. He's really into this. I love it. <laughs> it, it was really just so challenging. I, the book is called Bonhoeffer and King, if you're interested. Um, just that, that simple title. Um, but he talks about how really to establish community, there needs to be a qualitative change in our soul and a quantitative change in our life. I don't know. I just felt like when I read that, the Holy Spirit almost just spoke to me. And the qualitative change that needs to take place many times in my soul is don't give up on people. It's easy for just, ah, yeah, we had our thing, or they said this about me, or blah, blah, blah. But don't give up on people. People matter, and, and God values people, and God's heart is for people. 
It's the world that God loves. So how much more than in, in the, the qualitative change in our soul, just simply to say, I'm going to live my life in a way that doesn't give up. I'm just there. And the quantitative change, yours is even more, more challenging because how many know the calendar can even be like a theological document where how we spend our time determining what we value. And so the quantitative change is, when was the last time you just like, I, this is how my mind works, but just wasted time with people? Especially as young adults and many of you career age and busy going about your business and keeping such a tight schedule. When was the last time you just like wasted time with people that you like look down at your phone and be like, holy cow, I didn't realize we spent that much time. <laughs> like what a challenge. And this is really, I think, what it's going to take for us to value community, to really establish the beloved community. I want to say thank you to both for what you deposited and share with us tonight. So powerful. So exciting.